I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Michael Leader. I'm David Jenkin. And I'm Laura Venning. On the show this week, we have Strangers on a Russian Train in the Finnish drama Compartment Number 6. We have a Croatian coming of age in Antonieta Alamat Kazjanovic's Camador winning debut Marina. And in Film Club, we're keeping the train vibe chugging along with David Lean's classic romance, Brief Encounter. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yes, welcome back, listeners. It's so good to be back hosting again. Thank you to Leila Latif for hosting for the past fortnight. Laura Venning, welcome to the show. First timer. Thank you so much. As we like to ritually humiliate our newcomers. Uh, Laura, tell us and the listeners, who are you? What do you do? (laughs) Um, I'm a writer and critic, and I pop up in places like Little White Lies, BBC Culture, other places around the internet um and by day i work for an organization called women in film and tv uk so what's what's sort of your vibe when it comes to cinema jane campion right jane campion this is this is the label that has followed me i mean i mean and to be fair i bring it on myself i've had jane campion champion in my twitter bio for probably forever um uh yeah huge jane campion fan and uh i love queer stuff repressed period dramas so really excited to get into brief encounter later um coming of age young women all that good stuff and all very relevant to uh, to this episode i think <laughs> oh brilliant i'm glad we have you on for this week then. netflix could have really used a... champion champion to to sort of push <laughs> push power of the dog over over that final hurdle really didn't they it, yeah, absolutely. It feels like a real a real loss. Um, but um, maybe they, they, you know, they, they thought they would have to pay me for it. So because I feel like that is my <laughs> I've practically claimed that label for myself. So. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, a lost opportunity there. Get get that down the patent office. <laughs> absolutely that really could have been one of their uh, their brand accounts, couldn't it? Yeah. I, could, I could see it working. Um, David, how are you doing? How are things at Little White Lies Towers? Yeah, good, good. Busy. We're sort of between issues at the moment. I'm kind of by day working on this. Um, we're, we're, we're currently making a big book on the, the filmmaker Bong Joon-ho. 
with the with the, the LA based writer and critic Karen Han, um, which is which is super fun. And in fact, you know, I as we, I wanted to use this little kind of uh, informal slot, and I know I know I know we're sort of strict, uh, we're we're strictly a two new release uh, podcast, but I wanted to slip in a little mention of a film that came out kind of very very ironically if if you will under the radar um called uh, apollo ten and a half a space age childhood by the filmmaker richard linklater um i it, it kind of just i think it was one of those i don't know i you kind of impose this on the industry you kind of think oh you know there's this time when the oscars happen you have all these oscar films and then right after the oscars is this kind of like weird liminal dumping zone that nobody really knows what to do with and they kind of put random films out and i think famously grand budapest hotel came out right after the oscars and was a massive hit so they were always trying to get find what's the next grand budapest hotel well sadly on a commercial level it seems that that this new richard linglater isn't the grand budapest hotel because it's came up come out with so little fanfare that we didn't really even know to consider it for uh, the, the truth in movies but just want to very quickly say it's awesome. It's it's link letter at its best. If if you if you if you're a fan, you'll love it. Even if you're not, I think. So my colleague Hannah Strong is a very very hardcore link letter naysayer. Hates him. Gets on my nerves when she with, with her her intense hatred of him. I think mainly she puts it on a bit because she knows how much I love him, and uh, and she hasn't watched it yet. But even I think this is the one. If not convert, this would be the one that would be like, okay, I I, I can admit he's not the root of all evil, um, <laughs> which is enough for me. But 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 um, for me, it's one of the best films of the year. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Um, I'm, I'm very rotoscoped animation. It sort of sells itself as a boy's own adventure about a, 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 mm-hmm. a, a kid going to space just before the Apollo Eleven mission, sort of secretly as a kind of trial run. Um, but actually is a kind of this really lovely cultural history of, of like Houston in the sixties, the music, the TV, the film, the, 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 the food, the, the, the families, the, the, the architecture. It's just really like this kind of memory piece. And it's just beautiful of more, more of the kind of um, like, you know, Fellini's Amacord that done in sixties Houston style. Oh, Ooh, oh, glowing well, praise sounds... indeed, yeah. <laughs> exactly, fantastic. And I suppose before we move on to new releases, we should end this uh, loose opening segment with a bit of a provocation, David, because can you remind us where Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some um, landed in the Little White Lies best films of 2016? And do you still stand by that placement? <laughs> oh, was it, was, it our, was it the best film? I think it was number one, wasn't yeah. it? Isn't that the big argument that Hannah has with you and Adam? Because it was before Hannah's yeah. era. <laughs> I think that's definitely one she doesn't like. But I, I, again, I think that is another great film. I, you know what? I, 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 am, I think one of the things about Linklater, and maybe this is something for another podcast, is that I, do, I think that he, 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 he does, he, he, his focus is very, um, he focuses a lot on men and the stories of men and boys, and it's 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 quite personal. And I and I I, I think I understand why he has sort of maybe some more like women detractors because um, I think his films are very specifically about the kind of the the male experience sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, um, 
everyone wants some is in- incredible <laughs> and how many exclamation marks is that at it's the end two. was it was it yeah. two <laughs> very rare <laughs> punctuation anyway listeners let us know what you think of apollo 10 and a half if you've watched that on netflix over the weekend um also everybody wants some how does that stand up is it the number one best film of 2016 i just went back to the list david it was just ahead of julieta Number five was Knight of Cups. Number four, Patterson, Embrace of the Serpent. Number three. So pretty solid That's top five that year. What ex- take year. me back. Yeah. What a great year that was. But we need to talk about this year's new releases. Up next, we have our first new release of the week, compartment number six. Here's a brief synopsis for compartment number six. Travelling by train from Moscow to Murmansk to study the Kanazero petroglyphs, a Finnish student and an uncouth miner slowly forge a hesitant connection when they're thrown together in cramped train quarters on a journey across Russia. So, David, this this has been a well-regarded film um, in, in its rollout across the world, but it's very hard to be a well-regarded, merely a well-regarded foreign language film in the year of Drive My Car and Worst Person in the World, which has soaked up all of the excitement and hype and interest should we be excited about compartment number six? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, going back to a couple of years, this uh, director, uh, Yuho Kuzmanen. 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 Yuho Kuzmanen. Um, Finnish filmmaker. He, he made this um, movie called The Happiest Day in the Life of Ollie Mackey. It was his debut. Won, it won the uh, Uncertain Regard Prize in Cannes. It was this lovely little kind of boxing movie about a kind of um, hapless and pretty terrible boxer who was kind of hyped up as this local champion and had uh, was 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 put into a, a, a fight that was he was massively undertrained for and gets battered um, and it's that I mean that's that's the film it's like, it's like a seventy minute film about a guy who everyone loves and thinks is this great local hero and he just gets completely trounced <laughs> at this boxing match. Um, so he kind of he deals in this sort of like quite sort of sweet ironic humor and it's quite sort of um self-deprecating as well and i think you get uh, this is this this film feels a bit more serious although definitely you get that kind of slightly um bumbling sense of humor through as well um but yeah no it is a weird landscape where you have these kind of hype films, you know, that are, that are kind of propped up by the Oscars. I guess. There's, I mean, if, if there is one good thing to say about the Oscars, that they are sort of shining a light on things like worst person in the world and drive my car. Um, you know, like this, this, this would be a film that I would expect to perhaps be a kind of more of a sort of word of mouth hit if it, if it, if it achieves that status, because it's a sort of film that I think people will sort of go along in dribs and drabs initially, see it and be like, oh, that was that was really enjoyable and fun and approachable. And, you know, it has quite sort of big, strong, um, relatable emotions in it. And the, the lead character is conflicted, not entirely likable, but ultimately kind of understandable in her in her sort of take on the world and her and her and her sort of motivations and movements. And and yeah, it could it, it, it would be the kind of the the the, the, the sort of a hit as a result of a sort of whisper, local whisper network, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the story of this couple, like, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it feels like a kind of classic tale of of the kind of thing that, that you know, like, 
you, you actually think back to American movies like Midnight Run and Planes, Trains and Automobiles of the kind of the, 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 the twosome who are haplessly thrown together on this uh, claustrophobic road trip, in this case on a kind of Soviet era tra uh, tra like trans-Siberian train, uh, who purely having, you know, purely be being like locked together in this tiny, tiny compartment almost like forces them to find some kind of accord in their relationship, even though when we initially meet them, um, the, uh, the, the, the female heroine who is uh, Laura, played by Saidi Harla, um, is kind of bookish and maybe a bit pretentious and she is cos more cosmopolitan. She, 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 she her, her kind of girlfriends left her behind in Moscow and, slightly ditched her to go on this journey um and then she she kind of meets this very prototypical russian bruiser um called yoka yuri borisov who is who is this quite sort of up-and-coming russian actor who's, who's been in quite a lot of movies recently um and he um he uh, is uh yeah, he kind of rocks up with like bottles of booze, and you know, just he's he's taking this journey to to find work in in kind of in that sort of Siberian region, and you know, it it is that initial thing of like, well, you kind of you're waiting for that, you you're waiting to see that it's like the trial of their relationship, and waiting to see how this these this sort of chalk and cheese setup actually um, dissolves a bit, and uh, and uh, they actually do find a kind of grudging connection in the end and and more spoiler um but like <laughs> i think it's i think its merits are to do with like production design and performance and script and it's like you know i think as a piece of craft it's a really beautiful thing um easy to take for granted as well like because it is um mainly shots on a train and shots looking out windows and uh there's there's a, there's, a, there's a lovely little kind of um, just uh, a lovely little kind of road trip in the middle as well to break things up, but I mean it does a lot with its with its kind of limitations, and and I mm. think that it really gives you that sense of like being on a train for a long time, that and uh, the kind of cabin fever that that can kind of cause, and the pressure, and also you know how it can kind of change you as a person, and maybe open you up to to other possibilities in life. Yes, rather unassuming, maybe on the whole, and as you say, maybe something more for word of mouth rather than those those poster pull quote rave rave terms that we that we see maybe associated with other films. I yeah, I, I was really charmed by this, and it has a thread running throughout because it's about a student in a foreign land, a very kind of you know brutal land at times socially. Um, you do sense this lingering threat by the margins, but the film keeps a steady hand and knows that it wants to tell the story of this relationship and it's much more interested in how the, the relationship can flourish when in the, the sort of hot box of a train carriage that classic dramatic oh, setting yeah. that we've seen for decades oh yeah time and again i think i think that it, i mean it is it's it is a political film i mean it, it i mean in this in that all, all films are kind of inherently political in some sense or another but i think it's you know one of the one of its kind of great um positive notes is that it it doesn't it's, it's not trying to sort of like 
push a, a kind of a sense of history. Like uh, it's not it's not that it's it's not trying to sort of point score by showing these little kind of moments that are happening out the train, which sort of are supposed to signal some kind of things that are happening outside and the history and the, the, the you know the sort of contemporary moment but I think just just through the production design and the sense of realism the character and the way that the kind of characters is you know the, how it deals with communication and things like food or lack of food and like mm. it, it's never that it never puts too fine a point on it but it's very much there throughout the film this kind of mm. you know the, the that they're living through like what feels like a, a kind of moment that, that you know mm. in history and and in uh, you know that, that they are sort of feeling the impact of the political moment outside the train. Mm. And it's it's unafraid to maybe tip the hat either explicitly or implicitly to like the likes of Before Sunrise, maybe even Eternal the Sun- Sunshine of the Spotless Mind I saw at one point, a particular shot later on. And then literally they mentioned Titanic at one point as well. It's p- playing within a long tradition of people on journeys making <laughs> connections. Laura, what did you make of, of this film? Um, yeah, I mean, bouncing off what you just said about it, it referencing other films, I couldn't help but wonder, is the lead character named Laura after the Laura in Brief Encounter? Not sure. Um, obviously, I'm hypersensitive to to uh, use of the name Laura, um, so I did clock that. Um, I enjoyed this very much. It's very, very charming, and yeah, the story, you know, the the plot itself is fairly pedestrian, but the world. I mean, like you say, the the production design, the cinematography, the world of the film feels so real. You really do feel um, transported kind of pun intended um and it's yeah i totally agree about the fact that it doesn't it doesn't really specify the political moment the the exact placement of where we are but it feels very it just feels so real and it feels like a part of history um and i I felt that the lead performances were so you you really do get a sense by the end that they have gone through this experience together and maybe because in some ways those those two leading actors really had been locked in that compartment together um I wasn't surprised to hear that it was all shot you know on a real train with with the director in compartment number seven I believe listening in and you know watching on a monitor um because you watch it and you think my god how could they fit a camera in there how could they fit a boom in there and um you know I also read that they've got yeah hidden mics everywhere to to pick things up without interrupting uh interrupting the very naturalistic flow of um of the scenes um i was also very you know this could really slip into a kind of very whimsical sort of yeah slightly kind of before sunrise um esque uh mode but you know the poster is of is of laura kind of wistfully looking out of the window with her hair blowing and it's all a little bit perfume advert but actually in the context of the film she's uh locked herself in the toilet to try and get away from him because he's so annoying <laughs> um and uh she, and obviously the the window is open because you imagine that 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 toilet uh on that train smells terrible so i just really enjoyed kind of clocking that that was wrong you totally ruined really that poster for 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't the first time. I I've, this is the second time I've seen it. The first time I've seen it, I didn't clock it. But this time around, I was like, oh yeah, part part of the reason that that window is open and that freezing uh, freezing Russian landscape is that that toilet smells t- terrible. We can imagine. So uh, so yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting the use of a of a you know queer female protagonist in this context. Um, and I'm not sure how, what to feel about the way that it presents this pretty sort of um, kind of without comment. Um, I mean, she does initially imply to to um, Loika, apologies to the Russian people for that pronunciation, um, that it's a boyfriend that she has, and she and she very clearly. Um, slips into that that habit that women do have particularly in public places like public transport where someone is really getting in your face and being quite aggressive and you're not quite sure whether this is a this is a safe environment and I thought um Saida Hala who plays Laura really nailed that trepidation amusement kind of that mode that that I think a lot of women are very familiar with and uh, yeah she does initially lie to him and say that it's a boyfriend and I'm not sure how I feel generally about a film about a, a queer female protagonist that is actually really about her relationship with this man that kind of teases a sort of romantic connection, sort of. Um, but it it really is so charming and they do have wonderful, wonderful chemistry. And um, yeah, I was I was really transported by it. Mm. Yeah, I I um it really resounded with me personally because um when i was at university i knew a lot of finnish students and finnish <laughs> students studying russian and also <laughs> so there's a, there's a, there are some very um kind of ripped out of real life moments where if a finnish person of course there are only five million five million finnish people in the world so uh, it's always quite unique when you bump into a finnish person um uh, asking somebody of a different language what how you say hello all those sort of exchanges uh were, were, were very real and really nice to see some um it, it, a lot of the um interactions that you have on a train journey including as you say laura that that, that trepidation about not feeling safe in certain places and then meeting somebody you're one in a million chance of meeting another finnish person uh <laughs> suddenly you feel safe and at home and there's this chap who turns up who i think should go straight into the annals of um uh, Rotters, uh, on a par with Stephen Young in Burning, and um, oh, and, and Matisse and Maxime. Uh, what's the British actor called? It turns up in that. Oh, where you just Harris know Dickinson when they turn up. This character, guy, Harris yeah. Dickinson. This guy. This guy is. <laughs> he turns up with an acoustic guitar <laughs> and smash cuts the next scene where he's playing, plucking away at his uh, endless folk tunes. It's a great little moment that, you know, as you said, David, there is a sense of humour running throughout this as well. But let's put some scores on compartment number six, although now I want to see the making of documentary called compartment number seven as well. Uh, (laughs) David, I'll come to you first. Scores out of five in anticipation, enjoyment in retrospect. I would say I'm going to go for like four, four, three. Um, As in, I, I... I, I, I was I liked his previous films. I was excited to see this one. Um, and it was nice that he kind of got bumped up from the in certain regard to competition at Cannes. Um, I enjoyed the film in the moment. Um, and um, for, for the reasons previously specified. 
Uh, three, because I, I, I have to say in retrospect, I thought that it has a kind of final segment, um, possibly like a fairly longish episode of about half an hour off the train at the end of the film that does... I'm not I'm not entirely sure how necessary it like it was to see that episode in such detail but like I won't go too deeply into that but yeah it it there there was a there was a certain you know ironic for a film about a a a a, a, a super long train journey it dragged a bit but like you know it's like <laughs> yeah I I I was hope I, this like Ollie Mackey was like 70 minutes and it felt perfect and this this could have done with that sort of like curtness as well and just just feeling like i think the lightness having it have stopping it at a certain point and allowing the imagination to run wild a bit more would have perhaps benefited but you know (laughs) laura what scores would you give this i think i would probably go for a three four three um i had not seen ollie mackie I'd, I'd heard a lot of good things about it i've had friends recommend it to me but hadn't seen it so i went into this relatively um you know with 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 not not many expectations um yeah enjoyed it immensely while it was happening um found it very very charming um i totally agree about that final segment it it, it doesn't need to be quite as uh, um drawn out as it is um so yeah, probably in retrospect to three, like very, very enjoyable, very watchable, very winning performances, um, but hasn't hasn't lingered with me quite as much as I, as I thought it might. Mm. I'd agree, three four three for me or Colmer, Nelia Colmer for our Finnish listeners. Um, this <laughs> I, I I I love what I'd call I'll steal a, ti- a title from a Kraftwerk song, Europe Endless. I love Europe Endless movies where it's just admittedly it's the European end of Russia that we're going through, but this idea of the great landscape that you can just travel across forever and reach the end of it, maybe, and it's something that we can't do in British cinema as much as uh, Radio One tried to do it um, back in the late seventies. Um, but yeah, w- w- worth watching, I'd say, if you're stuck this weekend in cinemas. That was. Compartment number six. Up next, we have another foreign language film vying for your attention this weekend, Marina. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A teenage girl decides to replace her controlling father with his wealthy foreign friend during a weekend trip to the Adriatic Sea. So, Laura, to start with, can you give us a sense of the vibe of this film? Um, the, the, the sort of, for modern films, their sort of way they're pitching it is a dark, sensual coming-of-age tale set on a tranquil Croatian island. Is that sort of what we should expect from this? Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate description. It does kind of fall into the sort of trouble in paradise uh, bracket up to a point. Although it's it, it the landscape is very beautiful. I mean, that sea is so, so sparkling, so blue. And there's a lot of um, a lot of swimming, a lot of diving in this film. And it does make you long to jump in yourself. Um but the landscape is also very, um, you know, there are no there are no sandy beaches. This is just, this isn't really much of a tourist destination. Um, I was uh, listening to an interview with the director and um, Antonietta Kuzjanovic, um, who was saying that it was actually shot all over the Croatian coast um, because she was really looking for places where there was no vegetation anywhere. And yep, there's absolutely no green in this film. You'll, you mm. might see some olive trees, but they're very grey. <laughs> um, it's not this lush um, sort of Mediterranean landscape. It's actually very harsh. All these jagged rocks everywhere. It's a, it's a harsh environment and it really, there's, there's absolutely no shade. The sun is baking down. It's, um, it kind of feels more like a desert landscape um, to some degree. It reminded me a little bit of actually the landscapes in, in a film like Beau Travai, the very kind of harsh harsh rock and sand and the sun beating down. Um, it's a perfect kind of sort of gothic setting. Um, it is a surprisingly gothic story. You've got a young woman on the kind of the verge of, of adulthood and kind of um, sort of sexual maturity. You've got these men vying for control of her there's this kind of dark world that she can escape to a lot of repressed emotion um yeah in some ways a quite a typical european gothic tale but not not locked up in castles and no no dark forests but i think it definitely fits into that mode yeah yeah so so you said up top that you, you're interested in coming of age narratives and so what is this doing within that subgenre what's it doing differently is that i guess that gothic element is one part of it yeah, I think so. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, in many ways, the story is n not particularly original. And yet this tug of war between um, these three adults she has she has in her life. I mean, Julia, the protagonist, her, she's living with her parents on this quite remote island. And her father is a fisherman. Her mother is the sort of the island's former kind of beauty queen who never left um, and clearly sort of um, wishes that she had and, and longs for a life that she could have had, but has kind of settled for, for what she's got. Um, and then in comes, in comes this interloper, this old friend of her father's, who's this kind of billionaire, um, slightly kind of playboyish character. Um, and the film is very good at not um forcing down exposition or kind of um you know you really do have to fill in the gaps yourself and you really find that you don't need to know exactly how all these characters related to each other when they were young you get the sense that yeah her parents and this and this friend all knew each other very well um when they were younger um and it becomes not just a tug of war between 
her father, who is this very controlling, very kind of um, sort of proud of his daughter's skill as a um, as a spearfisher. Spearfisher? Spearfisherman? Spearfisher lady? Not sure. Um, <laughs> um, and her, she has this very, um, she's, she's very skilled at, at catching these marina, which are, it's a, it's a word for kind of a moray eel, which I absolutely can't stand. So I was glad there wasn't too much <laughs> eel action in this film. I find them just like the most repulsive creatures in the world. I hate them. Um, uh, so he's very proud of her, a name her for skill. That. Is, it, uh, is there a name for the f- feel that fear of moray eels? I mean, oh, they're just, listen, they're listeners. just so gross. I don't know whether it's their face. I think it's their faces and their because I don't mind snakes, but these eels, man, I think it's their their horrible gaping <laughs> eyes. Oh, gross! And thankfully, there's only really one big, big close up of, of one of those eels floundering around in a bucket. But it happens very early on, and I honestly had to look away. Awful, horrible. Um, um yeah i have a very visceral hatred of eels um so this was an interesting one for me um but um but yeah and then there's yeah this interloper comes in and sort of promises julia the world but he's quite a dodgy character well does he really mean what he says he's very flirtatious with her with her mother who is quite sort of um also kind of uses her her daughter as a bit of a pawn in this very tense relationship you know with these three adults so it's it's not quite as as simple as your general kind of coming of age uh Mm. older man arrives who is very handsome and um and is going to sort of uh, but quite dangerous and is going to sort of disrupt the social the social order it's it's got something else to it i think yeah, I was very surprised that that interloper in this case, we're watching a Croatian film and that the, the actor is Cliff Curtis, who is very yeah. much for me, you know, the, the phenomenon of the that guy, the sort of the actor who just appears in lots of films, but has never really been a leading man or a leading star. Um, and yeah, he, he's turned up everything. I think I've actually probably might maybe could have been his screen debut but certainly the oldest film i saw him in was a jane campion one he was in the piano yeah he's actually from new zealand um but then in sunshine most recently hobson shaw as well um very weird to see him turn up in this how's he yeah you're right he is such a that guy to the point where i think when i started watching this i had to check is that is that that guy oh yeah it is um i think the only time i've ever seen him as a lead is i think he was in the first season of fear the walking dead the walking dead spin-off but i don't know if he made it to the end of the season i think he might have been the sort of yeah might have been a casualty fairly early on um yeah he's great it is a bit strange um i think you know i i went in with that knowledge of oh yeah he's a new zealand actor and i kind of think of him as in in films like yeah like he has a very brief very brief appearance in the piano but he's in once for warriors which is a classic new zealand drama um so this idea that he and um uh the father who is uh a character called Anti, played by Leon Luchev, I believe. Um, very, very good performance. The idea that they are childhood friends and have, and have grown up together is slightly, slightly difficult to, to believe, maybe. But I think he really does thread the needle of under, sort of fatherly, but also kind of seductive, kind of dangerous, but never really crosses that invisible mm. line. It's all very ambiguous. 
Um, and I think I think he's really winning in the role. Um, and all of those uh, all of those preconceptions about his uh, his career kind of um, uh, disappeared after a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think listeners, if if the, the name Cliff Curtis means nothing to you, look up his IMDb. He's been in all sorts. And of course, I've just looked up his IMDb. He's in the next four Avatar movies. Oh, so he's <laughs> so been we'll a busy be man for the past lot, uh, ten years or whatever. <laughs> As well as Meg to the trench, so we'll be seeing him on big screen. Ben Wheatley, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, David, what did you make of Marina? And also, I suppose this won the Camera Door, which is not one of the awards that gets talked about as much as the Palm Door at Cannes. It's quite unique because it's across all aspects of Cannes, as long as it's a debut film. So it could be someone in Director's Fortnight, Critics Week, or the main selection. Um, it, it 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 brings this filmmaker into a long line of um, you know, great filmmakers like Steve McQueen won it with Hunger, Jim Jarmusch won it back in the eighties. More recently, uh, Devine won the film, won the Camera Door, Jean Pham won it as well. So, should we expect much from Antonietta Kozjanovic going forward? I would hope so. On the on the evidence of this, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I, I I kind of came to this pretty kind of you know. Um, objective and uh, and wasn't wasn't really sure what to expect and, and actually sometimes with my kind of you know aging cynicism you kind of think oh god a camera door it's going to be like fine it's going to it's going to have some good bits in it but ultimately it's going to be not be very good um or you know you're going to you can you you see the promise rather than actually a proper finished product film and i think you know maybe this the the small surprise i got from marina is how how it's much more close to that finished product film than I'd, I'd have expected, and that's 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 um, damning it with faint praise. I, I realise, but like it's it's very. It, I, I thought it was really, and the 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 the, uh, the, the comparison to Beaudrave is is a good one as well because I think that what she's doing as a director is, and 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 it's such a difficult thing, especially when you've only got like a limited number of casts. I mean, there's only like four. There's there's various kind of hangers on but there's only four key players in here and it is essentially a film about the psychology and the relationships between these four people and how they change across 90 minutes and I think that it's taken for granted that that would be an easy thing to do an easy story to tell an easy thing to depict and capture on camera and I think what and, and she just does that remarkably well she really like there's rarely like with these films, when when it's when it's all about nuance and, and detail and and small emotions and small changes in how X feels about Y and how Y feels about Z, you, you you kind of have to like you not only have to like feel it and feel that it's credible and understand the motivation like a psychological motivation, but you have to kind of like show it in a way that you kind of oh okay I can get how that character has gone from from here to there. I, I get why why she hates her dad. I get why the dad is kind of subservient <laughs> to, to, to 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 this friend, and um, and it and it just it has that kind of really really robust bedrock of like psychology there that that, I, that, that just makes the film work. It just makes you. Um, it, it it kind of just like it means that it doesn't have to do much to like. Um, make you you know side with someone or what you know feel sorry for someone or like try and try and sort of empathize with someone um like there's a sequence near the end of the film where as you say yeah there is a kind of almost weird gothic horror vibe to it 
um, the the architecture of his house uh, has got this kind of like pit of eternal despair in it, if you want, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and in which the lead, the, the lead character sort of finds herself at one point, and it is kind of like, oh my god, we're into sort of like horror territory here. Um, and 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 it and it really that, that just segues into that in a such a sort of naturalistic way, um, but yeah no in in general I, I I I think I sort of largely echo what Laura says it's it's a really fine film and um, uh, has that almost a sort of yeah I mean I think the vibes that I got off it as well were sort of of that kind of maybe a bit of like Patricia Highsmith and like mm. this idea of like you know people like especially the uh, Javier character, the Curtis character, there is a kind of, you're kind of constantly asking throughout the film, like, who is he? Like, I'm not sure I ever, like, the strange thing about it is, like, maybe, maybe this slightly differs from Laura's experience, but I never disliked him as a character. Or I never, I, I didn't necessarily feel he was, like, uh, at, like, the antagonist or some sort of malign influence. That very much came for the father who maybe is probably the one thing in the film that I thought was a little bit one-dimensional. He, he, he's, he's very much the kind of... Um, his, his kind of des- desperation mm. maybe doesn't allow you to empathise with him in a way that you, that, that you do with some of the other characters. But, like, yeah, it is about this kind of chemistry of a family being upset, you know. Uh, films like Pasolini's Tiarema as well, like this influence coming into a house and changing the chemistry of it it's one of those kind of films that you know you're you're you're, you're just seeing this kind of chem- alchemical reaction of a family right. and in the end they're essentially kind of dissolving or turning into this mm. kind of quite ugly material <laughs> that you, that you, you, <laughs> you don't you don't really know what to do with um but yeah it's it's thumbs up i mean we'll get to scores but, well let's um, I'm, Let's put some scores on Marina then. So, Laura, I'll come back to you for your scores in anticipation, enjoyment, in retrospect. Mm, um, I think in anticipation, I think I may have originally said, because I, I reviewed this film in, in the latest issue, I think I originally said three for anticipation, but actually I I would probably like to retrospectively bump that up to a four because actually I knew it had won the camera door and I knew it was shot by um, Helen Lavar, who's worked with... Agnes Varder and, and his shop, you know, Happy as Lazaro, rarely, uh, never really, sometimes always, The Lost Daughter. So I, yeah. I was um, anticipating this would be something interesting. And yeah, I think, I think straight fours across the board. Um, I really, I really found this very engaging and really um, a, re- a real surprise how much I, I felt involved and, and engaged by this. Yeah. David, your scores? I'd probably say a three, four, four. Um, yeah, it was a bit uh, still, still an unknown quantity despite the camera door. But I think that with, actually, with the sort of um, more modest anticipation, that that actually made my enjo- enhance my enjoyment because there was an element of surprise and actually feeling like, okay, you know, here's someone that we we need to be looking at. Um, I mean, uh, it's 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 a very fine film, and you know, you you would hope that this would be the beginning of a of a long, beautiful journey for her in the in the cinema. Mm. Well, there you have it, listeners. You have Marina, compartment number six in cinemas this weekend, and Apollo Ten and a Half at home, recommended by 
the roundtable this week. Let us know what you make of them if you do watch any of those films this weekend at Lies on Twitter, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com via email. Up next we have Film Club. We're going back for a classic Brief Encounter. If you haven't seen the classic that is Brief Encounter, let's have a very quick recap of the plot. Returning home from a shopping trip to a nearby town, bored suburban housewife Laura Jessen is thrown by happenstance into an acquaintance with virtuous doctor Alec Harvey. Their casual friendship soon develops during their weekly visits into something more emotionally fulfilling than either expected, and they must wrestle with the potential havoc their deepening relationship would have on their lives and the lives of those they loved. Directed by David Lean, starring Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard, and led by a character called Laura. Laura, I'll come to you first. <laughs> ben, the second this of the story films of your this life? week. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you joke, um, but... <laughs> so what, uh, what's your history with Brief Encounter? Was this a rewatch for you or a first-time watch? It was a rewatch. I think maybe this was the third time I've seen Brief Encounter all the way through. Um, I think I first saw it when I was a teenager and kind of dutifully going through a lot of the, a lot of the classics. And remember, and I sort of remember thinking like, oh, this is this is nice and a bit sad, but it didn't really it didn't really um, loom that large for me. Um, and then I saw it again a few years ago. I think it was on my uh, film studies masters. Um, whereas that time around, I think I might have been the only person crying in the seminar room. But you know, I, that that wasn't the first or the last time that that that, that happened. Um, it's it's become. It's become one of my all-time favourites. And actually, even though I've maybe only seen it three times all the way through, it um, I find this so emotionally powerful. Um, and it's... Uh, in various different ways, it has sort of become a, a backdrop to my own kind of... <laughs> so funny to go back to it. My own kind of coming of age, this film has kind of existed in a in kind of tangent with um in parallel with me. I do feel a lot of um uh I, I understand and love that that main character, uh, Laura Jessen, really, really profoundly. So um so yeah, this is definitely a film that would be on my on my kind of desert island list. Well on on this most recent watch then, what was it that struck you? Because you know this is one of those films where when you return to it, there's something new every time. Almost, what what struck you this time? Um, yeah, I mean, really, it's that first, the first kind of is it sort of ten or fifteen? No, it's more like twenty minutes where it does this lovely thing of, of course, you see the end of the film played out um, at the very beginning with no context, and. Um, the film has this kind of um, structured device of, of she imagines telling her very lovable but slightly dim husband um, about this great kind of emotional betrayal. And um, it, it's just so immediately kind of grabs you by the throat emotionally. And and maybe, you know, that's that's that actually only comes through on on rewatch, really, because, you know, the know the full context of the story. But her her face is so powerful in those big close ups. You know, Celia Johnson has these enormous eyes, surely twice the size of any anyone else's eyes. Um, And I think even at one point, Trevor Howard does, you know, Alec, the doctor does say, I love your wide eyes. Um, and they're just so they're just so full of emotion and 
you know, I think this film gets has been parodied endlessly, obviously. It's sort of, I think, what people think of when sometimes derisively when they think of like British cinema and everyone's very repressed in their clipped accents. And, um, you know, I remember seeing a parody with Victoria Wood once did where she like stuck an uh-huh. entire like mince pie in her eye, I want to say. I think it was some kind of Christmas special. Um <laughs> Um, I, th- I think it's it's very true. It's easy to take this for granted, and I think what's great about going back and watching a film like this is that so many of our great filmmakers and stars of this era either went over to Hollywood or got stuck in the Mid Atlantic and so, you know, were were adopted by America. Um, whereas you watch this and you say, this, "We have two stars here who you can't help but fall in love with and turn into two two magnetic favorites." Although for me. Rewatching this, I always love the meddling neighbour that she bumps into on the train. She's like, Ew, blah, blah, blah. She's a great little <laughs> oh, Dolly, Dolly, what's her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are so many wonderful little moments, even within this. You know, as you say, very repressed, stiff upper lip, devastating, ultimately romance. David, what do you make of Brief Encounter? Yeah, it's a it's a weird one for me. I'm, I'm I, I I've it's it's never it's actually never a film that I've massively loved. Like I think in my sort of um, youth when I was hoovering up the kind of classics of cinema I did as a as a prudentious you know um, beret wearing sued I would kind of (laughs) gravitate more to the sort of you know French Italian fassbindery type of of things that were a bit more kind of cold and brutal and um, that I always found this a bit sort of soft conservative you know that yeah as you say very very like the ultimate in kind of you know british british filmmaking and and brit and also british attitudes to 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 sort of relationships as well um it, it re- i mean it i think it probably is i mean i'm i'm trying to think it but i mean it's probably if you're doing a list of the most british films films about the british you know britain the british character the british landscape you couldn't you know this this would have this has everything really <laughs> for better it and really for does worse. and like there's absolutely nothing cool about brief encounter nothing at all and <laughs> no. maybe that's why I no <laughs> yeah no you, you you are right there is it is i mean you know i and i but i also think like i also think you're right like i i remember um when i when i previously worked on the film section at time out um in in the in the noughts way way back in the noughts um, Brief Encounter came out, was re-released at the BFI, and I remember seeing it and, and and having a conversation with one of my colleagues there, who was a sort of what, who was the critic who was assigned to review the re-release, and and he and I think he he gave it quite a sort of like critical three-star review and sort of said, well, you know, it's you know it's deemed this classic, but actually, I, actually, you know, it's you know how good actually is it you know is 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 it credible is this is this is this repression it, it that i think he, i think he sort of like focused on this idea that there's something quite airless about the filmmaking it's so it's so precise that there's something that kind of goes against this idea of like the, the happenstance of love and something that, that something that randomly happens where that you, you maybe see in other filmmakers across the pond like jean renoir or something but like um, and and you know I I think his review sort of definitely sort of stuck in my head for for a long time and I and I'd always pegged the film as this sort of like slightly fusty 
not 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 as sophisticated as as it thinks it is maybe sort of slightly of its time movie that doesn't really have much bearing on on modern life and actually seeing it again it i i i make i definitely kind of pull back from that from that assertion and 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 sort of change 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 my face i wouldn't necessarily say i loved it still i think there is still elements of it that i find a bit sort of like eye-rollingly cute and the 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 sort of precision it's the precision of like you know the the person entering as this word is about to happen and preventing this emotion from being expressed it's it's all a little bit like you know you can see that you can almost see the gears turning the, the 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 train wheels and the cogs and the and everything but like um but yeah, as, as I, 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 I do actually think that it's, um, it, it actually operates now on perhaps a more sort of universal, non-heterosexual level, actually. Like, and I think it's... I was going to say repressed longing. Yeah. It's all very gay. We can't call yeah, this film I mean, too conservative. <laughs> no, no. This is the thing. Like this time, actually, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it, Besides being like the you know being the quintessential British film, like you you know you do wonder is this the possibly the queer a quintessential queer British film? Like it that the way the relationship is presented now, like you know, like it just feels like it that like it it's dealing with something that's more than just like oh I'm have I'm I'm having a naughty affair with someone and I can't really justify it. Well, I, I've 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 never had the chance to, but I've always wanted to watch it in a double bill with Carol, Todd Haynes' mm. film. Which oh, yeah. They both hinge on these moments where there the, there is this sense of repression, where they they can't be it some sort of social situation where they can't um, express that longing. Um, similarly, the sense of a frame narrative with the re- relationship in the middle. Um, yeah, that's an interesting angle on it. Um, Laura, and you, you think that that's... A, I, a I definitely read to, it that way, and I was, Laura. yeah, definitely going to jump in and be like, it's secretly queer, um, if, if it wasn't oh. mentioned. I mean, obviously, it's from it's from, written by Noel Coward, so um, there's yeah. that, that aspect to it. I do take umbrage with the sense that this film is, is very conservative, um, actually, because I think it does, you know, of course she doesn't, just she decides not to abandon her cosy um, life with her husband and, and 2.5 children, but... Um, I think it does kind of shadow the um, the, the the oncoming women's movement, and it's got a queer undertone. So, um, so yeah, I, I I I really I really don't agree that it's a conservative film ultimately. <laughs> well, the only opinion that matters is the opinion of the listener. Listeners, let us think. Brief encounter: conservative, secretly queer, radical, <laughs> too cosy, or the most perfect British film, what's and all. Let us know what you think at the usual channels at LW Lies or Truth and Movies at tcolondon.com. David, Laura, thank you so much for joining me this week. It's been such a treat talking through these films with you. Next week, we have The Northman the film that graces the cover of the current issue of Little White Lies. I can't wait to hear more about that. We also have Benedetta, the new Paul Verhoeven film. And for Film Club, we're revisiting Conan the Barbarian. David Laura, thanks again for joining me. Listeners, please subscribe wherever you pod. And if your podcast player of choice allows you to leave a review, we'd love it if you left one for us there as well. That's it from us. We'll see you next time.
Truth of Movies is a Little Dot Studios production for Little White Lies. Truth of Movies is hosted by me, Michael Leader, and my guests this week were Laura Venning and David Jenkins. The podcast is produced by Sam Lucas, Ellie Aitken, and Jamie Maisner, and is edited by Steph Watts. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.